After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Top 10 Prospects podcast series today with the Miami Marlins. And to do that, I'm joined by my colleague, Josh Norris. Josh, good to have you. Howdy. Josh has done the Marlins system for us for a number of years now. And Josh, looking at the Marlins organization as a whole right now, the last four full seasons, this is a team that has lost 90 plus games. They did breach the postseason and post a winning record during the shortened 2020 season. But the last four full seasons, the Marlins have lost at least 90 games every year. This is firmly a team and organization looking toward the future. And with that, a lot of hopes are riding on the farm system and the young talent coming up from within, especially given the fact this is not an organization that spends a ton in free agency. Given the importance of the farm system to this organization's future, just to be blunt about it, what is the state of this farm system? Because it's kind of critical to their outlook. It's not great. It's really just not great. I guess there's no other way to put it. I mean, Yuri Perez at the top is one of the top three pitching prospects in the game with Painter and or Andrew Painter of the Phillies, that is, and Grayson Rodriguez of the Orioles. Um, but if you looked at the top 10 of the system, it's a lot of pitching. And unfortunately, it's a lot of injured pitching. Like Max Meyer was excellent last year in the minors, pretty good in the big leagues, but then he needed Tommy John surgery. Jake Eater was one of the bigger breakouts of 2021. Uh, and he is coming back from Tommy John surgery. Sixto Sanchez was excellent in 2020 in the big leagues, but has not thrown a, a pitch that counted since. So I, I, I put those guys in there. Like normally you wouldn't say a guy who hasn't pitched in two years would be in your top 10, but I couldn't find a whole lot of guys who I thought would be slam dunks over him because at the very least Sixto has shown he can be really really good when he's effective but he just hasn't been healthy for two years so we'll 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 see if he gets back on the mound in 2023 but if you had told me when I ranked him in 2020 that I would be ranking him again in 2023 or or the most recent book I would have uh, laughed at you because he does not doesn't have that far to go to graduate Yeah, injuries are certainly a a huge, huge risk with any professional athlete, but especially pitchers. We see it over and over and over again. And Josh, I want to hit on that a little bit. You mentioned this is a pitching-heavy system, and that isn't the Marlins' problem. The Marlins have had one of the best rotations in baseball for years now, led, of course, by reigning National League Cy Young Award winner Sandy Alcantara, 
Pablo Lopez, who's now on uh, the trade block, but guys like Braxton Garrett have been effective. Trevor Rogers have been effective. Zach Gallon, who they had then traded, he was effective for them. They've really found pitching a lot of different avenues, trades, homegrown, even waiver wire claims. Um, but this is a team that has not been able to really develop a hitter, really going back to when they decided to dive headfirst into this rebuild, traded away Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, JT Realmuto, four franchise caliber, at the very least, all-star position players. Most of those trades did not pan out. The Marcelo Zuna trade panned out great, bringing them Alcantara and Gallon, who they eventually flipped. Uh, Gallon, that is, for Jess Chisholm. But the Stanton trade did not work out. The Yelch trade did not work out. The Real Muto trade does not look like it's working out given Sixto Sanchez's health issues. So you have a lot of guys they acquired, especially offensively, that have not panned out. They haven't been able to draft and really develop any homegrown hitters through the draft or internationally. And as we look at the system now, the five of the top eight are pitchers when, again, pitching isn't their problem. How are they going to rectify this? I don't know. I really don't know. If you, when you get the handbook, and you read the little intro that I wrote, I mean, that's as harsh as I've been on any team in the 10 years I've been here. I mean, I combined with their own failures in drafting and developing hitting, um, the rest of the division is getting pretty good too. I mean, the Braves are, what, two years uh, removed from a World Series. The Mets are spending like drunken sailors. Uh, even Carlos you know, Carlos Correa notwithstanding, at least they, they tried there. Uh, the Braves, the Mets, the Marlins, the, the Phillies, Phillies, the defending NL champions, <laughs> yeah, the reigning NL champion Phillies. It's a long way up, and they've got a lot of things guarding them uh, from the top. Like I don't know what you do if you are the brass in Miami right now. To outside of you know the 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 cure all, at least not this country, which is spend money, a lot of it on free agents uh, in the next couple couple of years or. You know, talk, you, talk, you mentioned that they were dangling Pablo Lopez out there, or uh, I thought I've seen Trevor Rogers out there. You might have to swallow your, your pride and do that. You're going to, you have to deal from a strength to address a weakness. And that's really the only quasi avenue I can see going forward. Cause it's just tough if you're in Miami. Yeah. And you mentioned having that pitching depth is a big strength and we'll talk about it, whether it's pitching depth in the big leagues, in the farm system. And it's really about hitting on the trades. As we talked about their last time they went into a full-fledged rebuild, they did not hit on the trades, save for one Marcel Zuna and they hit big um, and they need more trades like that to really get off the schneid a little bit and get back to, you know, being a winning team. Um, I mentioned their last four full seasons. They've been uh, a team that's lost at least 90 games. This is an organization that has not had a winning record over a full 162-game season since 2009. So again, there's obviously a lot of work to do and a long way to go. As we dive into it, let's talk about you know the happy stuff, the positive stuff now. Um, and that's Yuri Perez, the number one prospect in the system. Um, wasn't really a question that he was the number one prospect in the system. The only question is, is he the number one pitching prospect in baseball? He went up last year to double A, continued to show that he has the stuff and really everything to be effective at higher levels at a very young age. What is Yuri Prez's outlook right now and what is his potential? Um, outlook, I would say, you know, he's going to probably, probably, he's going to go to triple A ne next year, probably make his big league debut at some point in the season. And if everything was right, he could be a true ace. I mean, that's the ceiling. I, I, that's the ceiling he has. He could fit right there with Sandy Alcantara. Um, that's the kind of ceiling that young man has. It's an uncommon combination of poise, stuff, and makeup. Um, you know, I, I often say it's like if you took 
uh, guy from my previous life in Trenton, Dylan Batances, kind of his body and gave him the the body control of uh, Barishnikov. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The stuff is is just freakish and nasty. And his teammates in Pensacola loved him. There's only one small blip on the radar there, and that was a little bit of a health thing that you know turned out fine. Um, this this past year, once he got the rust kicked off, and he finished the year really strong by uh, pitch or starting the championship clinching game for the the Blue Wahoos, where he struck out the first eight hitters he faced. Um, and then wheels came off a little bit thereafter, but you know, he's a talent. He's, he's going to be 19 all year next year. I mean, he's yes. 19 all year. Or 20, no. 20. He turns 20 on April 15th, 20, almost all year next year. But yeah, um, he's, he's ridiculous. And it was to the question of, is he the best pitching prospect in baseball? Maybe, um, I would have him in, in that conversation. I don't know if I'm going to pick a guy right now. I love Andrew Painter too which is interesting because you've got a high school right-hander and essentially a high school age right-hander who's just you know not American and also really tall, which are two usual red flags um, that are uh, not red right now. And another high school right-hander, Grayson Rodriguez, who's right up there at the top. So it's, it's a weird year in the pitching world, but if you want, you, you I don't think you go wrong by picking any of those three flash forward five years and there would be a wrong answer. Maybe who knows? Um, so yeah, I point is Yuri Perez is really good and, um, you know, we'll probably only get better as he gains more strength and figure out his, uh, his pitch mix a little bit more. Yeah. As you mentioned, he was 19 years old, spent almost the entire year in double a made one start down in Jupiter, um, had a little bit of injury. And and, rehab start, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, it was a full season at double a as a 19 year old. The most obvious thing for him to just work on the next step in his development is durability. He threw 78 innings in his pro debut in 2021, only 77 innings last year. Obviously, a huge component of being an ace is being able to pitch six, seven, eight innings, taking in the ball deep, making you know your start every fifth day, and being consistent and effective. Super talented, needs to improve the durability. What are some of the other things to look for as he moves into next year, other than you know crossing that 100-inning mark for really the first yeah, I mean, time? Really, it's just that. Um, I mean, he would have crossed it last year. He had, did the little lat strain or whatever it was, uh, not barked. There's, there's, I mean, you've got to refine the breaking balls a little bit. Um, maybe work on pitching a little bit more up in the zone with the fastball. The changeup is really, really good. It's really little tweaks at this point. But I say that we'll find out. Uh, AAA hitters have a way of telling you whether you're really good or not. Um, to say nothing of big league hitters, but AAA hitters are full of a lot of big league hitters that are, you know, second division guys or 4A guys or whatever, who kind of feast on 19-year-old phenoms, 20-year-old phenoms. Yeah, it'll certainly be a big test, but he certainly has the stuff. And as you mentioned, the body control and, and the resulting control of the baseball to be effective and the makeup. And, and, the makeup. and it's, it's going to be really, really exciting to see what he's able to do next year. And, you know, when he's able to make his debut, and there's always an adjustment period for pitchers especially, but uh, he certainly has the ability to be a, a very, very talented pitcher. Josh, this was the clear-cut number one prospect in the system. You alluded to it earlier. Max Meyer, the number two prospect, had Tommy John surgery during the year. He still checks in at number two. What kind of went into that discussion with evaluators and just overall observations about him compared to the rest of the system, given he is injured? It really wasn't even a close discussion. There really isn't anybody close to him. Like, he he had major league success. Um He's shown it in the minor leagues. His changeup got worlds better. Uh, 
to close 2021 and then to begin 2022, you started seeing the uh, flashes of the guy they thought he would be, that they projected he would be, that he was, you know, remember 2020 at Minnesota, he was supposed to stretch out into a starter and then 2020 happened and he didn't really get a chance to do that. So 2021 was his first full year as a starter. And then 2022, it was supposed to be, he took some some big steps forward. Uh, and unfortunately, um, he's just not the biggest guy in the world. And uh, it, it kind of caught up to him. But I mean, it's not, it, the, the gap between two and three is pretty large, I think. Yeah. And again, I thought it was interesting too. I remember going into spring training last year, just asking around evaluators throughout the game, who some of the more impressive players they saw was. And uh, Max Meyer's name came up a few times. Then during the season, I remember being out on the East coast, covering some, uh, some games, just talking to some scouts in the stands and they were buzzing about how good Max Meyer had looked uh, during an early season yeah, start I, at Jupiter. So he was, or Jackson, excuse me. I think you also saw him or saw him talk to those evaluators right after a start where I saw him where he went five perfect um, and didn't allow one ball out of the infield. And then I guess his hammy cramped or something and he had to come out of the game. It was like five perfect on like 62 pitches or something. It was um, really good. It was, it was, it was as good as that line would suggest. Um, and I remember you mentioning it at some point, I was like, yeah, he had a really good start just a few starts ago. Um but yeah, he was he was really good, and the Marlins are really good at evaluating or evaluating and developing pitching. Not so much on the hitting side, but say yeah. yeah, and we'll see again if he's able to come back healthy. That's the biggest thing. But there's no question. You look at him and Yuri Perez and say you have two arms that, you know, as long as they are able to fulfill their potential, you can slot into the rotation. That's what gives you some comfort to maybe trade a guy like a Pablo Lopez or some other starters in their rotation. Josh, the first position player on this list is Jacob Barry. He was their first-round pick last year. Um, we've talked about this just in general as a staff. The Marlins have not had a ton of success draft-wise. Really, the the last few years, um, you know, going Connor Scott, J.J. Blade, both of whom um, fairly underwhelming. Max Meyer, obviously very talented. He's hurt. We have to see what he does. Um, Khalil Watson, who we'll talk about later, was it was a disaster in every facet in his uh, first year last year and a lot of the red flags and concerns people had going into the draft revealed themselves during his first full season. Jacob Berry, I get it's tough because it's a small sample and it's after a long college season, but the initial reviews on him were not super great at the pro level. What do you make of those? And as you kind of talk to evaluators, both inside and outside the organization, what are we looking at with Jacob Berry? Cause the Marlins really need to hit and they really need to hit on a position player specifically. And, and the thing is they know that. And that's why their pool of, of players at the top of the board when they were going to pick was uh, college position players. They need hitters and they need hitters. You can get there relatively quickly. Uh, Jacob Berry had a fantastic college season, but there are questions about him. He's not the quickest twitch of athlete in the world. He's not, you know, a, a sculpted body or anything. He's probably not a third baseman. Um, he really needs to hit and really needs to hit hard. Um, and the early looks in the Florida State League, which as competition should be uh, beneath a guy with an SEC and Pac-12 pedigree and USA Baseball type pedigree, uh, were not encouraging. There were some videos up there of him you know, literally losing the bat on strikeouts, uh, looking overmatched. And it's not just the Florida State League. It's the second half Florida State League when everybody's tired, 
you're getting the body shuttle up from the GCL. I'm sorry, the FCL. Uh, he looked like just another guy. I put him, I think, third in the system um, on reputation. I understand it's a long season. It's a long season for for Barry, um, and sometimes that kind of manifest itself in a pro debut maybe he'll have a fresh start this year although <laughs> i hope he uh i hope for his sake he learns how to adapt to the cold weather in um uh probably beloit beloit will he wind up where you won't feel your hands for the first month or so but um yeah the early signs are not great on him but like i said you know he, he got picked before he got picked so i gave him a little bit of a pass especially because the rest of the system is only okay at best at the top yeah, again, it's one of those things where uh, after a long college season, you you kind of want to give guys a little bit of a break. But it is going to be something to watch here in 2022. Uh, even as we, you know, send out our our initial you know preliminary top 100 list, talking to uh, scouting directors and high level officials throughout the game about guys who should or shouldn't be on there, the feedback on Jacob Berry pretty consistently across the game is is pretty down right now. Um, so it's going to be kind of big to see what he's able to do coming into a, his first full season you know fresh and, and just kind of see what he's able to do because he means a lot to the Marlins and um, given their recent draft track record they they really need him to kind of deliver here um the two other and position players oh sorry go ahead. Note, as a side note there there's a reason why they've been trading the way they've been trading like Xavier Edwards uh Jacob Amaya Jordan Groshans all guys with prospect pedigree and uh you know position players not the most powerful set of gentlemen in the world, um, but they're near-term big leaders and they are uh, all middle diamond players in theory who can make contact. So that would at least give them a boost in the big leagues, um, at least something, something in the big leagues that could start resembling a lineup, quite frankly. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I went back and looked. Um, the Marlins, uh, their last four full seasons have finished bottom three and run scored uh, each of the last four full 162-game seasons in the major leagues. So not to keep harping on it, but but they need offense. Um, with that... The division they're in, they, until recently, they had to face Jacob deGrom uh, and Zach Wheeler and Spencer Strider and Max Freed. And- Max Scherzer now. Max Scherzer, that's the that's the other guy I was thinking. I kept thinking Matt Harvey. I was like, that wasn't right. Max Scherzer, Aaron Aaron Nola, yeah. There's, there's Nola, a lot of yeah, really there's, good on. There's some guys they have to face that are really really good, and that doesn't help things. You know, two other young infielders, Jose Sells and Yidi Cape, kind of wrap up the top five here. I, I do want to go into these injured pitchers though. Sixto Sanchez and Jake Eater, as you mentioned, when they've been on the mound, they've been sensational, but. They haven't been on the mound a little bit. Uh, what is their current status, and, and when can we expect to see them again? Uh, Sanchez had some sort of shoulder surgery toward the end of the year, maybe as the year was ending, uh, as the year had already finished. I think, if I remember correctly, he should be uh, around in spring training. Eaters toward the end of his Tommy John cycle, like you know, he he was throwing bullpens when I talked to their people, so you probably see him in Grapefruit League games. Um, so they're 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 you know farther along obviously than Max Meyer who you know has a ways to go. Um, so we'll we'll see what they look like this year. But you know, Sixto Sanchez has been well. He should be getting there for for two years now, and it's just one thing after another with him. And there are whispers that the the conditioning is uh, not not good at all. Um, and you know, I remember texting someone about him when he when he was dominant and said, "Yeah, it hides the fact that he got really fat, doesn't it?" 
Yes. Yeah, again, we'll, we'll, we'll see what these guys are able to do when they come back. All right, Josh, I want to dive into uh, the rest of the system with you, talk a little bit about Khalil Watson. Uh, first, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be uh, back to talk more Marlins. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to the Baseball America Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer here with Josh Norris, breaking down the Miami Marlins system. All right, Josh, we talked about the top of the system. Again, five of the top eight are pitchers. Uh, the Marlins certainly need bats, and we'll be interested to see if they move some big league arms or some of these prospects to go get the bats they need. Toward the back of this top 10, you have some guys who have gotten to the majors, Peyton Burdick, Jordan Groshans. In general, as you mentioned, this is not the deepest or best farm system. How many guys in this top 10 would you say were clear-cut top 10, and how many guys would you say were in the mix to maybe be in this uh, the top of this list? I think most of them were fairly easy choices for the top 10. Um, not if, if these if these guys were in other systems, they wouldn't be easy choices. But 
the Marlin system does fall off fairly quickly. Um, you know, Salas is probably the best right now of their middle infielder bunch. Uh, Burdick at least had some semblance of big league success. He's been, you know, I think he's kind of stuck in between approaches where he would be, he would be um, better suited to not trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark every time, um, which he can do. He's got plenty of power, but uh, it kind of takes away from the more well-rounded part of his game. Uh, Peyton Burdick, those guys. You know, I don't think there's the only other two guys I considered were Jacob Miller and uh, Carson Milbrandt and, you know, high school, high school right-handers. They've got a little bit of a, a ways to go. And uh, Miller would probably have been the closest. So one person who is not on this list, and as we've kind of alluded to, was not particularly close to making the top 10, was Khalil Watson. Uh, Watson was considered one of the most talented players in the 2021 draft last year. And he fell to 16th overall to the Marlins because there were some concerns about just um, you know, his general you can use the word makeup, but, but there were some behavior concerns in general. And as soon as he arrived, I remember uh, with at instructional league, you were talking about already, there were some concerns within the Marlins organization about um, the way he was conducting himself, uh, his work ethic went out this first full season. The performance was really, really, really bad. And so was the general, just everything. Um, he was suspended in July for a gesture he made toward an umpire he eventually did come back. Um, again, the performance was not great. Talking to evaluators throughout the year, it was pretty much all bad. The way he comported himself, the way he played, 132 strikeouts, only 32 walks, and 376 plate appearances. What is his status right now, and, and how does he get this turned around? I mean, I'll, I'll kind of echo what you said for a second. Like, I've been doing this 10 years. The re reviews I got on Watson this year were the worst I've gotten on any player, especially of his stature. And that was before he got suspended. But at the end of that report, uh, I got from a scout said, you know, if I were them, I would consider sitting him down for a while and letting him you know, get, a, get a refresh. And then that happened. So uh, even before things went super awry, they were trending that way. That said, he still is a toolsy mother scratcher. Um, and there are glimpses of why he got taken where he did. The bat speed is still electric. The power is still there. When he puts it all together, it can look really good. So you can't, you cannot just completely write him off yet, but he's got a long way to go. And a lot of it's between the ears. Like, you know, one thing they talk about is, you know, they'll work on something. He'll be really coachable. And then if it doesn't start working immediately, he'll just fall back into um, the, the things that got him in trouble. And that's a problem. And he just doesn't deal with failure really well. And I, I hate to break it to most anyone, but you're going to fail in this game. I don't care who you are. Juan Soto this year didn't have a Juan Soto-y year. He was, good, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, the guy he'd been in the past couple of years. Everybody, everybody goes through slumps and everybody fails at some point. It's how you deal with it. And right now he's got to learn how to deal with it better. But I did keep him... I mean, he, I think he was in the like, 14 or something, 13, 14. Um, so I didn't completely write him off, but there's a long way to go. And this 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 year will be huge for him, um, whether that's back in Jupiter or up in Beloit. Um, we'll see. I was going to ask, is it too reactionary to say this is already a make or break year for him? No, absolutely not. He needs to, he needs to really show it at this point. I mean, last year was 
really bad. It's like 35, 36% strikeout rate. And 30 is usually the magic number that, or the tragic number as it were, that you kind of start waving guys goodbye. But uh, I gave him a little more leash, A, because the system is what it is. And the prospects behind him weren't as attractive. I mean, I was really fishing at number 30, no pun intended, um, to find guys throwing darts at the very end. But he's, 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 he needs a 180. He really needs a 180 this year. The one thing that I think is encouraging is after he came back from his suspension, he did improve across the board, um, all three slash line categories. His strikeout rate before he was suspended was 39%. After he came back, it was 26%. So I think if you're looking for a positive, it's that you mentioned people were saying, hey, he needs to be sit down for a refresh. Then that happened. He was sat down. When he came back, things were a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, there was there was some improvement. And that, that's good. 26% still isn't great. But, you know, it's progress. Yeah, it's going to be a, a, big, a big year for Khalil Watson. Um, Josh, as you've mentioned, again, I want to finish on a positive note here even in the systems that are, are not the best or don't seem to be the greatest at the time, there are always guys you look back on a few years later. It's like, Hey, he actually had a pretty good career and was better than a lot of people thought. Who are some guys maybe in the, the back half of this list who are interesting or intriguing and are candidates to really pop, whether it's this year or in a few years? Well, if you know me, you know <laughs> that I like the young Latins. Um, Jose Gerardo is one of those guys. And Anthony Pagaro are guys who are really interesting you know, it's funny, too, if we had done this a couple months ago, the guy I would have mentioned is Santiago Suarez, but the, he, they traded him to the Rays. Um, it was it's funny. Like, I think they traded him the day I wrote him up, and I was like, wow, this guy seems really interesting. Like, check Twitter. Oh, man. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, again, the international side, the Marlins, it's an area they, they've had some success in the past. They're, they're trying to get more. We talked a little about their draft struggles. Are there any guys they've taken, you know, sometimes you'll miss on a first round pick, but a guy you took in the fifth, sixth round starts to really pop or start to show something. And they've used some of these guys in trades recently. I think about a Kyle Hurd or a, a Kyle Nicholas, you know, guys they've moved. But have there been any, you know, draft guys taken a little bit later that have started to show anything? Uh, Josh Simpson is a reliever who might, you know, crack the big leagues this year. He's got a really nice fastball breaking ball combination, needs to kind of, uh, commanded a little bit better, but he's a guy who was, you know, firmly in the top 30, but not in the top, you know, 15 or anything. So he's probably the guy I would come to uh, for that kind of profile here. I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, Sean Reynolds is an interesting guy at the back. He's a converted uh, position player who uh, can bring his fastball up to hundred miles an hour. I think I saw his only bad outing this year. Um, he got touched up when I saw him in, uh, well, he's in Chattanooga, but it was for Pensacola. And the guy I mentioned earlier, um, I wanted to mention earlier, uh, was Marco Vargas, the second baseman who he can hit a little bit. He, they, you know, their evaluators kind of said, Hey, you know, keep an eye on this guy. He's not as high profile as all the others, but he's really interesting. Um, Nassim Nunez isn't the most powerful guy in the world, but he's a spark plug and steal a lot of bags for you. Play, play a decent shortstop. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys that really, and oh, Nick Enright, you, you can't go wrong when you take a, uh, a Cleveland arm. You know, <laughs> they, they do have those in space. And you know who we should have mentioned at some point in this podcast up at the top that we didn't? Dax Fulton. He got himself into much better shape 
and the results started to show for the second and end of the second half of the season. Um, he's the guy who could take a big leap this year and, you know, be maybe at the back of the top 100. I mean, he's, he's an interesting fellow. Talk about those Marlins pitchers again, 20 years old, got to double a pitch well at the level did pretty well in the Midwest league as well. Strike out to walk is good. And he's six foot seven lefty who throws hard. So again, yeah. plenty, plenty of arms in the system. And, and that's just about finding the bats. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I used to joke with them. Um, another system I did that you could just make a top 30 out of arms and I, it wouldn't be, it would be wrong, but it wouldn't be as wrong as you would think. Yeah, no, we'll see what the Marlins are able to do here. Josh, as we wrap up, any final thoughts on the Marlins system and the outlook moving forward? I mean, I, I kind of painted the picture earlier. They really need to hit on some of these guys and tr- and make the right trades. And if they have any hope um, in the in the next couple of years, it's bleak right now, even with an expanded playoffs. You got three, four really good teams. In, well, three. The Nationals are kind of uh, upsetting right now. Uh, three good teams in front of you in that division. And uh, they, those teams don't appear to be going anywhere anytime soon. It's certainly a long uphill climb, but we'll see if the Marlins are able to pull it off. Um, you know, I've always said the Tigers went from a 119 loss team to the World Series in three years. So uh, turnarounds can happen. It, a lot has to happen, but it is possible. And we'll see what the Marlins are able to pull off here in the coming years. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate having you as always. Yep. Thank you. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.